Kaiju FM. Come find your niche. Hello and welcome to By the Mash Tun, a podcast by a couple of nerds where we brew some beer, drink some beer, and have a nice little chat about some beer. I'm Mike Harrison Wood. I'm Carl Noble. And we've got the second day yeah. of our two day special. Yes, yeah. Craft Theory Day Two. Uh so day one, a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Like, Sounded it. Yeah. Like chatted to a lot of people, drank a lot of tasty beer. And yeah, it was it was very entertaining. So I'm hoping day two is going to be as entertaining. Oh, let's uh, hope. As before, we've got our uh, two guys down there. We've got Carl Noble. I mean, yep. it is me. But yeah, but I'm down there. You're in the studio now. I am in the studio, and we've got Chris McLennan. Yes. Um. So yeah, hopefully those guys will have set up some uh, brewers for us to chat to, and you know. We'll see how it goes. So I think without further ado, we'll probably pass it over to those guys. So here we are with our next interviewee. Uh, what's your name and where do you come from? Uh, yeah, Anne-Marie Beattie, uh, Reading resident um, and organiser of Craft Theory Festival. One of me and Charlie Beattie and uh, the Love the Arts Centre and John Luther are the, the collaborators to bring you, yeah, Graph Theory 2019, now in its third year. Yay! So it's the second day. Um, it, I mean, yesterday was absolutely outstanding, like just really good atmosphere. Um, do you find that kind of Saturdays tend to be more busy, more party atmosphere than Fridays? Or potentially. I think um, Saturdays become this traditional um, afternoon session where quite a lot of the local pub owners and uh, bar owners tend to congregate on the uh, on the Saturday afternoon and m- miraculously we've had this amazing weather the three years that we've been running it and it's uh, April I have no idea how we've pulled this weather off again but we have and um, and I, th- I think it really adds to the whole spirit of the festival where lovely juicy New England in your hand and uh, sunshine uh, beating down on you and uh, yeah also thing to remember is drink lots of water as well yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the good yeah. thing is obviously you know we've got the water fountain just across from us so we I, do. I woke up this morning remarkably without a hangover and i'm putting that down to the fact that i was drinking at least three cups of water for every beer i had yeah i'm still yeah. quite worried it's going to hit me at like you know two or three o'clock and i'm just going to go oh there it is there it is you <laughs> might have to have a little uh, sleep under the table <laughs> uh, yeah. I, mean, I don't think we can we've got a lot of stuff oh, okay there. oh yeah you've got a full lineup actually haven't you I've just seen your list yeah, yeah lots we, of people to interview and yeah. uh, talk beeriness with yeah it's, it's going to be really good so uh, what is it that made you start this festival then um, I think obviously um, I, a love of uh, amazing beer um, um, I run the Grumpy Goat in uh, Reading Town Centre. It's a craft beer and uh, cheese shop. Um, we sell lots of spirits now as well. Um, we've been running that for over five years. Um, and also, we've got a huge camera festival in Reading. And I was wanting to do something which to complement that, and but you know, do something a bit more niche that really celebrated keg beer, um, as we know, you know, and uh, yeah, you know, coined the term craft beer, and uh, yeah, those really interesting brews that are just being made 
all over the world at the moment actually to um, and um, yeah just bringing interesting unique breweries to Reading I mean we've got two all here uh, this weekend they've come over from Denmark uh, met their lovely UK rep Simon who was just He's just, yeah, just a great guy. And then um, we've also got Demolen from uh, um, Holland, which are one of my favourite breweries. So to have them at my festival, if I wouldn't have thought this three years ago that I'd have Demolen at, at, at our festival. Sorry, not my, uh, you know, at the festival. It's just, it's just mad. And um, yeah, and it's, um, I'm just seeing the festival go from strength to strength year on year. And that's obviously good. <laughs> well, I mean, it's good. It's like it's, grown very quickly like not in size of the actual festival but there's a large sort of fringe this year like there's stuff going on around town like you know is that something you can see just uh, expanding on maybe uh, like we've got a lot of tap takeovers and things around town are you looking to make that bigger and bigger every year yeah definitely I mean you know we've got you know what's yeah you know the, you know with the influx of some new breweries we've got double barreled um, you know who've just set up this amazing tap room and um, down the you know off uh, Portman Road um, if you haven't been go and check them out um, and also we've got a new brewery popping up called Phantom as well um, you know they're going to be very close to double barreled I mean Reading is really becoming um, fast becoming a really you know a prominent uh, beer town in, in, in the UK and um, you know it is, and it's about I think the, the, the important thing is collaboration and um, you know like every, all the, the bar owners etc have been really happy this weekend with, this week sorry with all the fringe events and you know every, everyone's sort of been busy off the back of it so we've sort of coined the, um, the Reading uh, Beer Week and it was really nice to hear from Lucy and Mike from Double Barrel that their tap room was also rammed yesterday yes, as well as yeah. this place being rammed and that's amazing like so uh we, there's a lot of uh craft beer slash beer drinkers you know you know um wanting to do new things try new things in 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 reading and it's that's great yeah yeah it, it makes such a big difference when you can get all the brewers into the same place and they're not you know they're not actively trying to compete with each other they, they're just going no we, we just want to get people drinking nice beer and the amount of collaborations that come out of stuff like this so you know like breweries meet Cor- and they yeah, go correct, we should yeah. get together and do a thing you know well, it's, so, a- it's actually at the point now where like it's it's hard to find uh, brews from any of these local ones that aren't collaborations with someone. <laughs> yeah. Yes, like, yeah, 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 yeah. They're, they're always just round each other's houses, making a nice beer. And what what was amazing from the feedback from brewers yesterday was how interested the punter was talking to the, each brewery about the process of making beer yeah. and um, and how each brewery does that. And um, they that you know the so the brewers are, are are really happy because you know it doesn't happen at every festival sometimes you're just there to just serve beer serve beer and not have those conversations and you know with yeah i guess the festival's getting a bit nerdy but that's fine that's that's kind but of that's what, we what want. sets it apart from the 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 larger reading beer festival for, for me is that like the person serving you the beer is you know the person involved in creating it like exactly there is actually yeah. there's more to it than just trying a lot of nice beer like you 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 actually get to talk to people who have some insight uh you know and it's like it's you know even yesterday so you know one of my customers um he he's he's got an excess of hot plants and he's going to give some to the little earth project who make their own yes um, mixed fermentation beers and grow their own hops and he's got some hot plants he's going to donate so it's that collaborative and I'm he's going to give me some as well and I've Imagine. got an allotment and I'm so <laughs> I've taken on an allotment just for for put, growing things to put into beer so yeah. I'm, I'm hugely excited that I'm going to get some hops from one of my 
customers who's been supporting my shop for five years and yeah. I think that's the real nice thing about Reading and its size that everyone you know has got this collaborative yeah it, it just feels like a, like a very local community despite that you know Reading is a large town yeah um, and you know we've got a lot of different breweries but that local community feeling is there and, and, and it's you know thanks to places like Grumpy Goat and you know this sort of festival that really kind well, exactly. of exactly and let, you know let's together. mention the great pubs let's mention the Nags Head and the Fox and Hounds who've sponsored the festival t-shirts this year yeah. um, and um, you know our, our local sponsors for the glassware Siren Craft obviously yeah um, you know big pioneers in the craft beer industry um, globally actually if we think about it not <laughs> yeah. just not just locally not nationally but globally and um, also, you know, double-barreled have hit the ground running. We've got Elusive Brew, you know, we've got the West Berkshire Brewery. You know, we, you know, the, all all five breweries, local breweries, got involved. Um, five of the local breweries. We've got lots of local breweries uh, in Berkshire, but got involved and made a festival beer, yeah. um, which is on the, the Elusive Bar called Herding Cats. <laughs> yeah, we spoke to Andy about that. <coughs> we spoke to him about that yesterday, um, and. Uh, it's it's a great name for the beer. Like just just trying to get all those brews into one place at one time. Uh, like naming the beer. Well, did you, did you did, yeah? Did you hear how it came about? No. So basically, it was um, so um, Ian Clark from Wild Weather, you know, uh, sort of a big big figure in our craft beer scene in uh, in uh, in Reading, and said, you know, everyone coming together. It's like it's like herding cats. <laughs> and it's like and that that was the name that stuck from the morning we're like yeah. okay we, we are herding cats we're all here yeah. and we're all collaborating and uh yeah we, you, know, you know people um stopped doing what they you know they were doing that day at their brewery and came together to to make a uh, an amazing festival beer yeah I think it's Andy particularly impressive it at andy's place because it's tiny yeah, yeah <laughs> how we got but everyone we, we spilled out into the tap room at uh, siren and oh, well, uh, I mean, yeah as you would yeah and uh, had a little uh, cheeky little beer over there rude not to in it rude not to uh well thank you very much for uh joining us and i'm sure we'll be catching up with you you know in and around the festival at some point yeah and thank you for yeah no, it's so nice to have you guys here at the festival it really is and it's nice to give you that like you know opportunity and i know you want to make this in sort of like your birthday celebration yes, yeah and uh sort of uh, uh podcast so yeah it's great to have you guys yeah it's been really good it's been great yay thank good. you very much awesome okay so we here we are with our next interviewee uh if you'd like to introduce yourself yeah my name's simon dehaney and i look after all the services and marketing for twill uh in the uk uh although i'd rather be known as the brand guardian <laughs> <laughs> i mean that is a great title if you can put Guardian next to anything, it's a great title. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a particularly uh, fragile brand, shall we say, in that it takes a, a lot of looking after. Um, they have a fantastic reputation in it, uh, here over in the UK. Uh, obviously been here for a, a few years now. Um, but yeah, they, they thought the time was right to put someone here uh, who understands the UK market, understands what's going on here with taste, flavour, what people are buying, the patterns and so on. And uh, yeah, apparently I was the man for the job. So, uh, so yeah, landed myself quite a nice little gig there. Well, there you go. I'm very proud to be working for them. Though. How did you get into that? Like, were, were you uh, into any? Were you into the brewing industry beforehand? Uh, yeah. Well, well, my background uh, previous to Twill, uh, I used to work for the Wild Beer Company, uh, based down in Somerset, which is where I still live. Uh, previous to that, uh, I was one of the organisers of Craft Beer Rising in London uh, in the early days, right, okay. uh, sort of years two to three, four. Yeah. Um, previous to that, a little bit of hospitality, and way before that, 20 years in the music industry. 
But the one thing about music and beer is obviously they're great bedfellows, but they both involve late nights and a lot of drinking. So <laughs> yeah. uh, that's kind of how it all came about. So we've, we've both been alarmed that we can still do the late night and drinking and still wake up and go, let's do it again for 12 hours. Yeah. I know, we never <laughs> learn from our mistakes. Right? Yeah, it, it, it is really intense. But it sounds like you've got you know, a, a deep love for beer. Oh, and absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. I imagine that really helps when you're trying to kind of market it as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have a, a, you know, a big appreciation of flavour full stop. So you know, it's not just beer, it's, it's, it's wine, it's spirits, and most definitely food. And I think one of the things that Tool brings to the table uh, is obviously a huge amount of flavours that they put into their beers, very much based on balance, yeah. uh, you know, kind of going against the kind of uh, the idiom of the American style of more is more, um, but also kind of cutting against the kind of minimalism thing. So it's, it's kind of balanced. So, yeah, my appreciation is flavour, uh, but also hospitality and making sure that people have a good time whilst they're, whilst they're having a beer. Beer is all about experience and yeah. uh, you know we've got to have those experiences to share with other people and to bring other people into this wonderful world of craft beer. How do you find it trying to translate the sort of uh, the culture and ethos of Tool as a brewery uh, to uh, the, the general sort of zeitgeist here? So like for instance Tool don't really have a core range of it at all like sure. it's just they just make beer yeah and, and so like in terms of marketing, that must be reasonably difficult to sort of build a... Yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy. I mean, uh, if people uh, have seen the tool cans, uh, you know, you'll have seen the, the crazy, beautiful and wonderful designs uh, that go yeah. onto the cans. Uh, they're not, you know, particularly led by uh, logos or, you know, kind of huge descriptors on the front of them. Uh, the, the labels are designed by Casper uh, Edit, uh, an incredibly talented graphic designer. Uh, and I think they're, they're intriguing, um, but at the same time, I think we, we have to do a little bit of work in the UK uh, to start to get people, to, uh, new people in particular, to understand what those cans are yeah. uh, and, you know, understand what they're drinking. So uh, what is a definite advantage to me is the kind of Scandi Cool aspect. Yes. I think that's still very much prevalent, you know, kind of around the world. Uh, obviously, plenty of other breweries in, uh, you know, the Scandi region. That are bringing some exciting stuff. I do to the think table. of all of them, though. Like brand-wise, Tool definitely has just like you. You don't have to know where Tool is from. You just look at it and you go, it, "It's going to be Denmark, Sweden, or Norway." Yeah. <laughs> like, you just it's, look yeah. at it and go, "It's not. It's from Scandinavia." You can kind of narrow it down <laughs> fairly like, easily. Yeah. But I think looking at the culture of uh, Denmark. Uh, you know, it's a significantly different culture to, to what we have here. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of uh, you know, kind of a social structure, uh, how people carry themselves. You yeah. know, you kind of go around Copenhagen, everyone's on a bike. You won't see too many fancy flash new cars and that yeah. kind of thing. A little bit of a socialist background there from many years ago. Um, so it's a great leveler, um, and I think that's something that we could probably learn a little bit more of in the UK. I should imagine so. Um, What's this fella here then? So this uh, beer that's next to it, uh, an Imperial Stout, 10.8%. It's called Vanilla Breaking Case of Emergency. Uh, we all have little dilemmas and emergencies in our lives. And uh, if ever you need a go-to beer, I think this is the one that's going to do it. Yeah. Um, I, had some, I had some of this on Thursday and I enjoyed it very much. I mean, the aroma on it straight away, even smelling it from a, a mid-level, you can get that huge vanilla hit straight yeah, off the bat. Get your nose right in there and it goes over the cliff. Um, it's actually, I, I think, a very clean, uh, again, uh, and, yeah. and I think something that is demonstrable from Bruce uh, and Tool CPH 
which is you know how, how we re refer to those beers from Bruce. Um, again, for that kind of ABV, uh, it's not hanging around. You know, it's uh, well, it's it's still got a lot of that that bitterness and dryness from the base stout, even though the vanilla's there. It's big in the aroma. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't rely on being super sweet. It's still sure. got a real richness underneath it. Like yeah, and we've got eight different malts going on in there. Um, you know, so it's got a pretty healthy backbone to kind of get it w where it's going. Yeah. Uh, and it's also got a really nice vinous quality to it, I think, as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I was serving that, if I had a, a venue or yeah. even just at home, I'd probably put that in a brandy glass or a big, oh, nice, yeah. big, fat goldfish so wine glass. So you can swill it around know? near a fire. Exactly that. Yeah. It's, a, it's a ruminator. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there it is. It's absolutely cracking. And it is. I'm gonna it is so quaffable at that percentage as well yeah like you know it's there's, there's some beers where you get them that strong and it's like that is beautiful but i probably don't want to have too much of it yeah exactly whereas if somebody stuck a couple of halves of that down in front of me i'd be like yeah well, the way it goes yeah well, completely as someone who like at the higher end of the abv range tends to struggle with stuff either being sort of too thin and boozy yeah or just too sweet yes like, for a 10.8 percent beer it doesn't suffer even slightly from either of those problems yeah I, I, well I, th I think you know like i said right at the beginning the uh, one of the kind of mo's or the raison d'etre of, of what you know tool is about is about balance uh and i think again you know the, the higher you go up in the abv stakes obviously you can start to get into the worrying territory of yeah. too sickly too sweet too heavy too cloying but it's interesting um, that carries over into these extremes because like when you're talking about a 10.8 percent vanilla imperial stout Balance isn't a word that comes up that often. Like it isn't. You expect it to be this just decadence and nothing else. Yeah. And it, like it, like that's what makes it so just drinkable. At that yeah, level. And, and and I think these two beers in particular as well. Um, going back to the flavour uh, thing, uh, the Bruce uh, venue um, in Copenhagen. Uh, we have a restaurant uh, as part of the the tap house. Um, we have uh, Denmark's youngest uh, Michelin star chef, Christian Gradient, who wow. uh, looks after the food there. And what he's doing at the moment is really interesting. He's uh, developing a, a beautiful menu that's uh, slow meats, uh, but it's offset with uh, fermented food. So we're trying to make that connection back to, to beer. Uh, so we've got kimchi and pickle beetroot. And it looks really that. interesting. I was snooping it the other day because I was looking for any information about the beers because yeah. we had them coming on at the pub where we work yeah. and uh, like I just wound up looking at pictures of food for about, <laughs> yeah, yeah. about an hour just like, like, oh, oh, this so will do. yeah it, it, it creates a bit of a Homer Simpson uh, a slaver and a draw yeah. you know? it's like oh. um, but uh, no I think that the food that they're doing there it completely you know reflects uh, the beer there's some fantastic matching going on but, but what I think is really interesting is not going for carbs uh, against that slow meat. Yeah. Uh, you know, like a Sunday roast we all love in the UK, of course. Yes. Uh, but it smacks you out, right? And, and you fall asleep at the end yeah, of it. That's kind of where right we end up. Yeah, you're just like, oh, I need to sleep now. But I think, you know, what they're doing with the fermented side well, is... it all uh, looks so clean exactly. and so crisp. It just, like... Clean the palate. It was very Scandinavian again. Exactly, <laughs> but, like, exactly. Was, that's why there's no right. obesity in Scandinavia. Well, not that I've seen anyway. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you very much for uh, joining us. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we will pleasure. catch up uh, you know, as the festival absolutely. goes on. Can I just give a little plug to the new brewery that we're going yes, to be bringing on as well? So I should have maybe started with that. But um, talking about the contract stuff we're doing in Belgium, uh, the end of the year, we're starting to pull out of uh, De Proof and we're going to be moving to a site called Sfinniger, 
uh, which is about 40 mile, uh, 40 minutes west of Copenhagen. It's an old food factory, uh, pickles in particular, so all the things you need for brewing, obviously, yeah. you know, hot water, steam, drainage, and so on. 25,000 square meters. We're billing wow. it as uh, Tool City. Uh, it is literally a city, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we're going to be looking at potentially things like food production uh, alongside all the obvious food, uh, uh, sorry, beer stuff that we'll be doing. The distillery will be going in, a proper barrel aging project, uh, and also uh, working on a wild project as well, but obviously giving it very separate from the clean site. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, lots to look forward to. And um, oh, yeah, a, that'll be a big move. Up. If New beer coming out probably time. February time next year. We're, we're, we're looking hey, at. Hey, I'll pencil that in the diary. Yeah, we'll be we'll be working out some tours for people. So uh, yeah. it's pretty remote. But uh, once we get people there, they're, they're not going anywhere. No, not <laughs> after a 10.8 uh, vanilla stout. That's for yeah, sure. You're not, not going to be driving the hire car hall, are you? <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you very much again. No, thank you. Thanks for having us. It's been a fantastic festival. Thank, thank you. you. No okay, so here we are with our next interviewee. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hello. I'm Will Toomey. I'm head brewer for Westbarks Brewery from Yattenden. So um, this is a, you know, it's within Reading. It's a very well-known brewery. Um, I mean, I would say anyway. Yeah. Uh, not, not being from Reading myself, when I first moved to Reading, it was like, all right, cool. You guys have got these guys. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I guess, I don't know. We've, we've been around since 95, so... When we were established, there weren't really many other breweries uh, in the area. So, you know, we've probably been here the longest and the most. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess we're fairly established now. I mean, so, yeah, it's definitely come a long way since I started drinking, you know, Good Old Boy and Full Circle, which was back in the day and doesn't yeah, exist anymore. Yeah, Full Circle is, yeah, it's got that sort of legendary status among craft beer drinkers of Reading. Uh, I'd love to. On the range at that time, it was the best one. And Dave Maggs, who uh, was the who started Westmarks, uh, was just like, "Nah, I don't like it." He just stopped <laughs> doing it, and it was just like, "But we all like it, Dave." Yeah, well, it was one of those beers like it, it had like a massive uh, fan base in Reading, but we were brewing at the time. We were brewing uh, 20, 20 barrel batches of it, I suppose, and. Uh, we weren't sort of getting through those quick enough so it was just one of those beers that has you know this niche sort of market but never never sold enough to really uh it's a good warrant. name for a beer that you would bring back though isn't it oh absolutely yeah. Yeah. The comeback for that yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'd be good we talked about maybe doing it for reading beer festival this year but that didn't quite come off so uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's got a you know it's got a place in my heart. So it'd be good to yeah. to brew that again, rebrew it at some point. So. It is an absolutely awesome beer. Yeah. Um, so, how did you get to your position at West Parks? Uh, it was sort of uh, luck and hard work mostly. Yeah. So like, I grew up with um, uh, you know being around the brewery. I grew up very close to it uh, when it was established. I lived about three miles away from from where the original site was, and yeah. uh, I was really good friends with Griff, um, Dave and Helen's son, who set up the brewery. So he used to be the drummer in my band. Uh, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's all this Reading sort of incestuous it's very sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm glad I came from the outside. Actually, yeah. <laughs> fresh blood. Yeah, fresh blood. But uh, yeah, so just knew knew Griff and went to school and used to be around his house all the time. Was around the brewery and then. Basically, when I was like 21, 22, uh, was looking for a career, you know, I'd finally decided that sort of getting drunk all the time wasn't, <laughs> you know, that productive. So you needed to monetize it. I needed it to monetize somehow. it and uh, just spoke to Dave and he said, well, you can come and do some work experience for a couple of weeks. And, That's you good. know, I remember the first day of 
like climbing up a ladder and taking the temperature of the hot liquor and just being like enamored with it from day one and from there it was just like washing barrels working hard learning to brew yeah. and then i did qualifications you know they they paid for me to do qualifications um and, and that was it really just carried so was, on doing so that a full-on apprenticeship yeah yeah absolutely and that was 12 years ago now so nearly yeah. 13 oh, years so you've kind of just time. always worked in West Park yeah yeah absolutely so I should probably get a job oh, yeah. this one's good well I used to be I used to work at uh, Jessup's before that you know right. selling cameras yeah yeah um, before that I worked in um, at the pot kiln which is where the old brewery was so I used to serve the rolls when I was yeah. 14 it was my first job so I've always been a local local lad sort of thing and just yeah, being part of the brewery has been amazing and a real. It was a great opportunity for me at that time, you know. It's yeah. been good. Yeah. I, the, like, I was up at the brewery, uh, and it's the first time I visited um, a couple of weeks back. Um, and just the, the scale of it. Yeah. Because you've, you've recently, um, you're expanding to getting new kind of yeah, bits in, so aren't you? We had like, so when Dave and Helen wanted to retire, they had, um, you know, they sold a bunch of shares. We had David Bruce join the company um, that sort of helped them realize the capital that was tied up in the business by yeah. selling shares. And they've basically been raising money so that um, the plan was just to diversify. The market was changing as well for brewing in the UK. So like, it wasn't all about cask. You know, there was more craft beer coming through in keg and can. And um, we just wanted to change what we were doing a bit just to try and, you know, open up our options a bit more yeah. so we decided that we wanted to look at contract brewing and packaging as well as doing our own stuff we wanted to put in the tap room so we've done all that in the last which is phenomenal sort of two years i guess and yeah we've we've, we've grown substantially in terms of uh volume and, yeah. and the size it's, of the it's, site it's standing setup yeah really it's really is. cool it's like i guess the entire site is about sixty-five thousand square foot which is probably about six or seven times the size of the previous one and our first, you know we've got masses of fermentation capacity now so we can eventually the plan in the next sort of five or six years is to get up to 40 or 50,000 yeah. hectolitres a year um, so it's, it's big it's, it's very different from how it was yes. two years ago even yeah. so yeah it's a big change it's, it's really good so I can see you brought some beer for us yeah um, I brought some imperial uh, style what so we've got an imperial stout that's that's really good that'll go that'll uh, help us out with the imperial stout we've just did you want more than one beer to try or is um, one okay? i mean like i'm happy to try this we'll uh, do this and then i'll leave you a can a couple of cans of something else for you yeah, to, uh, yeah that, that'd, that'd, be that'd be real good drink at your leisure um, so what is it about this one that made you go this is the one i'll bring along to the lads to try uh first first imperial stout i've done never done an imperial stout before is a new system so we've got an automated brewery now Imperial Stout's quite a... It's a big step, really, yeah. because it, it's very difficult to... Well, Make not a good one. It's very difficult to sell an Imperial Stout, but the thing is that people don't want it... You're not going to be selling pints of it. No, it's really one of those, like, beers that... You it's show, a test piece. Yeah, or you just... You know, you got your chops if you can brew a decent Imperial Stout. Yes, like, you yeah, can, yeah. You know, it says a lot if you can... It's like if you can brew a really good lager. Like... Yeah. And they're difficult styles to brew and get right. And if you can do a good one, then generally you know you should be oh, fairly so good quality brewer it's one of the such things a coffee you, nose to it yeah, yeah so, it really so it's, we basically like dry hopped it with coffee so oh, wow. a friend of mine tash works for pharmacy which is a roastery in hove yeah and they've done collaborations with uh the guys at umbard i think as well 
But we did a coffee pale ale with them 18 months ago, which was amazing. Nice. And then we wanted to do another coffee beer. So, uh, yeah, they supplied the coffee for this. And we, we literally like made the Imperial Stout, uh, matured it for six weeks in tank, and then added the coffee about a week before packaging. Oh, wow. And then just dropped. So it's, it's kind of like using the beer to make the cold brew. Yes. Yeah, and then just yeah. dropped the coffee off the bottom before we packaged it. So, yeah. I mean, I'm really pleased with how it turned out. And it's, it's absolutely fantastic. And it, like, the percentage that it is, yeah. it is it's drinkable yeah like, it, it's not just like i just want to have a sip of that or just the smell of it you know because there's certain like especially the really strong ones where i could probably just sniff it yeah and that's enough yeah Whereas yeah it's like yeah no i really want well, to get got, this in my mouth it's nice because it's you know it's everything that i wanted uh i want from an imperial style which is like that thick you know it's like treacly and it's not you know it's very complex in its flavor and then you've got you know all the coffee um, and just yeah it just sort of goes on and on and on very long yeah. finish on it and yeah I'm just really proud of it you know it's the first time I've ever I've never even brewed a like a a pilot batch of this beer oh, right. I just wrote the straight recipe yeah. wrote the recipe went straight in with it and, and I mean the you know another thing was is that it was a it was a struggle to brew because obviously uh, your efficiencies are way lower yes. on the very very big dark beers so my copper up gravity was you know way off where it needed to be so i had to boil for like two and a half hours to reduce it down and yeah you know it's just nice that i love those beers where like they can be difficult and present problems but you know you work on them and you end up with a really good product at the end and it's yeah. just like, well, but like that's where the craft comes exactly into it. Like, that, that, that's where it's like you have to call on all of that experience yeah because it's you know to do like an ipa it's like i've done ipas before like, and you just follow a pretty standard method and you, you normally nail it yeah. But then when you get beers that are different and they test you, you're like, how, how am I going to make this work? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And on a big scale. I mean, I, I have to do it on a home brewing level. Yeah. And it's hard enough, but on a big scale. Yeah. Like, no, it's, it, was, it was always a bit of a gamble. Like, I wasn't sure how it was going to go, but you're right. It's, you just sort of um, use your experience. And I mean, you know, if you miss your co uh, copper up gravity, you're just like, right, well, you know, I'm not yeah. going to be home for a few more hours, but yeah, you just yeah, sit, yeah. <laughs> sit there and boil it down yeah, until you get, and we, you know, we hit the OG, which is the most important thing. And yes. then I was worried because, you know, with the high gravity fermentation as well, like how the yeast is going to react to that. Yeah. Um, so I did like, uh, I aerated on day two just to help boost the growth of the yeah, yeast. Yeah. So you get more, you know, more yeast mass and then, you know, you get a faster fermentation and it bombed out within sort of three days. And I was... Like, it was really estuary after the primary fermentation. I was like, oh, God, it doesn't taste right. It's not going to taste any good. So we just held on to it and matured it, you know, really yeah, cold. And Sometimes that's the best thing to do. Yeah. Is like, if you, if Give you, it more time. If you and can, like, some of my homebrew stuff, I've put it into bottles yeah. and just hidden it somewhere for like a year. Yeah, yeah. And then it's and just suddenly like, it's fine. Yeah, it's like, yeah. actually, this is really nice. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. So we, I just basically held on to it. And uh, when it was tasting, you know, right... Added yeah. the uh, added the coffee and then we're good to go. So no, it's just you know labour of love. Like first time we've done a beer like this. Really proud with how it's turned out. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's been it's been good. It's it is awesome. Thank you. It yeah, is, yeah. I no, appreciate good. it. Appreciate it. We need to stop getting these very drinkable tempers. Yeah, no. I thought I'd give you guys like we're mid afternoon now, yeah. so I thought I'd really try and screw it's you guys right. over. We've by. only got six left to do. <laughs> six interviews. Yeah, it's probably, You're just gonna it's be probably gonna a be dribbling fine. mess by the we, end of the day. We'll be fine. It might not be you know at all audible, but we'll be fine. No, you'll be I'm good. Sure. You'll be good. You're true professionals. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, uh, no worries. Uh, Pleasure to yeah, chat to you guys. Yeah, yeah. I'll be back with a couple more beers later on. 
Excellent. Yeah, thanks Thank very, very much. much. Cheers, guys. Okay, so here we are with our next interviewee. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, my name's JD, and I've just been promoted to the head brewer of Wild Weather, so that's my job. That's your job. That's my job. Just in time for this interview to be, yeah. you know, <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally promoted yesterday. So. Oh, well, there you go. Congratulations. See, so, like, we, we, we couldn't have timed it better. If we grabbed you yesterday, it wouldn't have been good enough. Whereas yeah. now, we, we're chatting to a head brewer here. Yeah. Cool. So how long have you been working at Wild Weather? I've been there for about three years now. So. Okay. Uh, do you... Did you... What were you doing beforehand? Like, was it difficult to jump to that? Um, no, not, not particularly. Uh, the last six months or so, I've been designing a lot of the recipes and uh, ordering all of the ingredients. So it was more of a gradual, kind of a title change, really. So my day-to-day is not going to change okay. a great deal. Because you brew at home, don't you? I do, yeah. Yeah, so uh, how long were you homebrewing before you started working with Wild Weather? Well, I used to be the president of the University of Reading Real Ale Society okay. while, I was, while I was studying there. And the first job I got in brewing immediately after that was at Bingham's Brewery. I carried on home brewing for a bit, but yeah, yeah I suppose I've been home brewing for about seven years, seven or eight years. Wow, okay, yeah. so quite a long time then. I do less of it these days, but yeah. I get um, to put yeah. my home brewing knowledge into full scale stuff. So yes, it's yeah. just riskier homebrew. It's just riskier, so, bigger yeah, homebrew. That's it. Like, did you find the jump quite big? Like, or, or was it not literally just there going, well, just scale it up? Well, initially when I joined Bingham's Brewery, um, I was given recipe sheets to follow. So it's more like learning your consistency, learning how to make the same batch of beer each time. So the, in terms of feeling under pressure of you know, getting a recipe correct and making sure it comes out how you want, I didn't really have that. I was taught step by step how to make the very same beer each time. Moving to wild weather, I didn't jump straight in and start designing recipes, but once you get a feel for how the kit works, you start understanding what you can tweak and what doesn't really apply big uh, compared to small. Yeah. And I've been there now long enough where I'm quite confident to completely rewrite an entire recipe and be happy that it comes out the way I want it to. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Just, you, just like you would with a homebrew kit. Do you do any work with uh, like a pilot kit at Wild Weather or do you literally just jump in and you might have to just throw it away? No, we don't have a pilot kit. Our, our full-size kit is our pilot kit. Yeah. So, you know, so is there, is there pressure? Yeah, like, yeah, it's just like because uh, you know, when you homebrew, yeah. if it's awful, you can yeah. afford to just get rid of it. it yeah, costs, that's right. It costs um, you twenty quid. You know, Whereas, pro- professionally, you can't really afford to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, we've we, we've not had to do that, so <laughs> that's that, it's that, frowned upon. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are you pouring all that down the drain? It doesn't taste very nice. I'm yeah. telling you. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, usually when you're developing a new recipe, you you must build from a previous recipe that you know has worked. Yes. And if your uh, clean-in-place procedure is up to scratch, then there really isn't any excuse to get any of the basics wrong. You know, yeah. when, when you're paid full-time to do that kind of thing, you can't ever throw a batch of beer away saying, oh, I didn't really bother cleaning this properly, or oh, I, di- I just didn't check that this was fine before. I, yeah. You know, your, your reputation is on the line as well because all of your produce goes out publicly. With, Absolutely. With your, certainly now that I'm head brewer, it all goes out with my name behind it. Yes, yeah. So um, I have to maintain a certain level of... Um, concentration when I'm working. Have you got anything big and weird planned now that you're the head brewer and you, you know what you say goes? Well a few people have asked me like what's the uh, well no it's, n- it's not like that. <laughs> no. A few people have asked me um, oh so what are you going to do now that you're head brewer and I said yeah. well actually I've kind Carry of been doing, doing the job for a little while so yeah. um, it's not really a case of well hey something's going to come out soon that I've made uh, the, the beer we'll be talking about is one of my recipes yeah. um, but coming out soon we've got a New England IPA brewed with New Lion Brewery in Totnes 
and nice. we really picked up a few bits and pieces from them to I reckon it's one of the best New England uh, pale ales we've ever made we've got a botanical pale ale brewed with a gin distillery in Brixham yeah. coming out and um, in the future we've got a 8% version of this full of beans beer coming out which is a maple walnut and coffee stout um, that's all going to be mostly sent away to America but we'll yeah. have a small portion of the stock left for domestic sale so. well I mean hopefully we'll get a little try of that at some yeah. point oh I hope so so uh, the beer that you brought for us to try yeah full of beans mm. uh, this was a recipe you designed um, was it uh, how long ago did this recipe come about I guess we've had it in our core range now for about six or seven months yeah. something like that we we realised that we used to have a core range chocolate stout called Mudslinger and um we stopped brewing that for a little while and uh, we were looking for something a bit more um, current to bring into our range. Yeah. So I suggested to the director of the company, Mike, that we did a, a coffee stout. And he was um, of the opinion that putting coffee into beer doesn't work very well. Right. That's because, madness. Yeah, no. That's well, made in heaven. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, he, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't say that the flavours don't work. He said more like it's, it, it's, it's difficult coffee. to get the right flavour in. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. And that, that was based on some of the experiences we've had with uh, other collaborations where you involve um, putting coffee into the hot side of the, the brewing, yeah. you know, if, I, either boiling it in with the wort or adding it early yeah. into fermentation. But I have had a lot of coffee beer which tastes either burnt, yes. like, which, you know, it's just yeah. like, well, this is just back, or just yeah. really earthy, which, yeah. you know, can be nice as an element, but if that's the only thing that's coming through from the coffee, yeah, it's probably not great. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in, in this case, I, I told Mike that I was convinced that I could make a, a fake coffee beer uh, yeah. with no coffee in it whatsoever that was just a cleverly designed dry stout recipe that involved yeah. things like black malt and roasted barley in the right quantities. And you could lie to somebody and tell them that it was a coffee stout and, and they'd, they, they'd taste it and go, oh, yeah, I really get the coffee. Yeah. Because it's interesting because like, uh, like since... Like, in this country, it's, we've progressed to the point where you know, the, the the general zeitgeist is, is that you know more interesting beers are sort of more commonly accepted and just out, more out there. The amount of times something says chocolate uh, in the um, in the sort of tasting notes, and people go, "I don't want anything with chocolate," and it's like you've been drinking beer that tastes like chocolate the whole time. It's just that now they dare to put it on the label. You're like, no. Not chocolate. Well, largely, the, the, the flavour of chocolate doesn't come from chocolate in the beer. It comes from right. the malt. No, yeah. not to an, I mean, cer certainly the flavour of coffee. Um, when somebody picks up a, a bit of malt and eats yeah. it and goes, oh, that tastes like coffee. Yeah. Well, no, it doesn't. They actually just share the same or a similar roasting process. Yeah. One of the reasons that they both taste like that is because they're killed at a high temperature. They're, they're sim you know, similar enough to take on some of the Maillard products and some to of those. To evoke coffee and the bit you actually want. How about, how, 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 I've, just, I've just handed you a jar. Yeah. Um, I mean, by all means, taste it. And like that, for me, is the, that's coffee. Like you, like, you chew on that, and it's just like, yeah, this is just coffee. All right, let's have a look at this. Right, by all means, get, you get, get involved, chew it. You get some bonus points if you can tell us, tell us what that is. Well, I don't think it's bitter enough to be chocolate malt or black malt. Is it a carafe special of some kind? It is a uh, crisp chocolate malt. Ah. Yeah. So What's is, the EBC on it? Uh, 9.50. That's quite low. It's it is, it is very low, so it's a very ah. pale chocolate malt. Usually chocolate malt's quite a lot more bitter than yeah. that. Yeah. I so, was ready to be well chuffed for you there, because I actually thought he'd handed you this jar, which got The interesting special. thing about carafa versus chocolate is, although the EBC is much higher to the palate, the bitterness is much less. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, it's it, it has been quite interesting, kind of, just for the punters being able to go here, like try yeah. a bit of this malt, try a bit of that, and kind of just see what you get from it, yeah. and start. I think people enjoy it because it's trying to work out what goes where in the beer and how it all works together. For the benefit of the tape, this is the now the third instance of somebody coming up and just giving JD a bit of a touch as they go past. You're I mean, this very, is a lot of a popular, touch. Very popular guy here. I've seen a lot of physical affection for this man. I, I'm keeping my, my mouth closed as you know, John, yeah. the head brewer of Ascot, is walking past and putting his finger in my ear. Yeah. Ricky gave you a bit of a rub, didn't he? Ricky from Binghams. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't, you know, I don't really turn around and see who it is, yeah. but I'm getting various fondles from various directions. You're clearly, a very physically popular individual. Well, it's more that I don't put up a fight. I think <laughs> <laughs> it's not like mark. that in real life. <laughs> no. But like this, this, this beer is absolutely brilliant. Thanks like, very much. It is. It's so nice. Uh, what's the percentage on it? It's only five percent. Um, like, for, like for a five percent, like the body yeah. to it, the flavour to it is so. Well, that's due in part to the yeast strain that we selected for the beer. Okay. We uh, the very first batch of this I tried out, uh, brewed it on um, on an American pale ale strain, and unfortunately that just kind of cut too much of the sweetness out. Yeah. It went all the way down to a final gravity of uh, I don't know twelve or thirteen, and all the flavour was there, and all the coffee was there, and it's fine. Is there coconut? No. It tastes like coconut to me. Yeah, I mean. That's actually more of a yeast ester thing, to be honest. Yeah. So um, I went through a different, a few different strains in experimentation, and settled on a London ESB strain, super low attenuation, and the actual final gravity of this is about 25. Wow! So it's think of it this way: it's a colossal waste of grain. <laughs> we, we, that would be an excellent yeah, name for it. A colossal waste of grain. You know, we, we fill up our mash tun to the point where if anybody you know who knows what they're talking about comes in and looks inside, they'd expect you to be brewing a seven percent beer. Done this yeah. But the thing is, the yeast just kind of craps out like really early. But yeah, yeah. During that process, it uh, the London ESB strain we use has got quite a lot of um, blackberry and raisin esters and yes, things yeah. like that. It, it really isn't a big heavy hitter in terms of. Um, ch- chowing down on all, all the yeah, glucose it, it, and things. It struggles yeah. to get through the, yeah. the, the, those sugar chains. Yeah, it leaves so much behind, you know, to the point well, where... As a result, it's got a really interesting high end, which for, like, yeah. co- uh, for dark beers and coffee beers especially, like, to have that without it overpowering what you're actually looking for, just yeah. a certain essence over the top, it's really, really nice. It's like we've, we've had people who, uh, who have asked us whether we put lactose back into the beer. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, often to get a final gravity of 25 yeah. in a stout, that's sometimes what you'd have to do. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I, it's very good, and yeah. you know, I'll be along to try the range of beers that you've got on a bit later. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. And thank oh, you no. for bringing us something lower than 10%. Yeah, yeah thank you. We've been, we've been hitting the 10%ers. It's, it's not a good way to start our afternoon. Yeah. It's very enjoyable, but limited. Well, you know, you guys are always welcome over at our bar. We're big fans of your podcast, so. Cool. Yeah. We'll see you soon. Yeah, take care. Okay, so here we are with our next interviewee. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, uh, thank you for having me on to start with. But my name is Mike, and I am the co-owner, head brewer, logistics guy for Double Barrel Brewery, the new brewery You didn't sound Reading. sure. <laughs> it's like, what do I do again? A, a it was very, like, I think I'll make myself vice president. <laughs> no, junior oh. vice president. Principal, <laughs> principal. No. So, um... Reading based, uh, one of Reading's newest breweries. 
Yes. How long have you guys been open? So we started brewing in our new site in Talhurst in October. So yeah, it's now April. So what? Six six months or so? Six months. Yeah. yeah. So not so not very long at all then, really. No. And here you are at Craft Theory. Yeah. How's that? How's how's that? Scary? It's not scary. It's not scary. No, it's cool. It's really good to be here. Yeah. You know, we're getting a lot of really good feedback on the beers and. We're having fun. I suppose that. because you move around, um, you know, like you've done um, collaborations with various breweries. Yeah. You actually probably know a lot of the breweries that are already here. So as much as it may be like, okay, we're, we're quite new to brewing, but you're just hanging around with all your mates as well. Yeah. So it's like, ah. yeah. But that's what beer festivals are anyway for most brewers. Yeah. So, Especially yeah, the just, small ones like this. That's what I think that's what makes the atmosphere really nice. It's just every, like, everyone just mucks in with everyone else. It's not. Yeah. And by you're the end of the weekend, the you've made so many contacts. Yeah. Like, for, especially for breweries that, you know, you weren't necessarily going to approach yourself. Like, if you're in an environment where you're going, cool, here's some of my beer. Can I try something else? And eventually that leads to, should we do this collaboration for this weird beer that I right. really want to try? So I- right, exactly. And it's it's very much like, you know, you turn up at a festival and there'll, there'll be people that... There's, there's so many breweries in the UK at the moment that the chances of you knowing them all is yeah. so slim. So... You turn yeah. up at a festival and see someone that you've heard of or perhaps not heard of, and you're just swapping beers across the bar. It's yeah. cool. It's just, it's a lot of fun. No, like, I really, this is the first time I've been to Craft Theory because uh, all the other times I've been working yeah. uh, when it's been on. So this is the first time, and obviously we're here in a slightly different capacity than, you know, if I was just here as a punter. But the, the atmosphere is, it's, it's so communal like it's absolutely brilliant and even just with the customers as well like it feels it just feels like a little community center yeah no for sure i think that's sort of representative of the industry as a whole to be fair and and the way certainly from a brewer's angle it's very very much feels like that but from a customer point of view what we found from being in the tap room we're sort of building this little community around tilehurst and it wasn't expected it's great it certainly wasn't part of the plans but it's it's wonderful to see people coming down regularly and then every week we're getting more and more new people coming in and it's it's just a lot of fun to to meet all these new people that we would never have met before is it you know, like you guys had a um one of the events on last night at the brewery um that's right all I, weekend. I heard you guys were real busy all weekend, yeah. So we've had uh, Wonder Beyond tap takeover on. So we've got 12 lines at the tap room. They've got six. We've got six. And yeah, yesterday was busy, busy, busy. Uh, we've got Jordan Feast in making some delicious cachapuri, some chicken wraps, which are just flying out. They're delicious. And yeah, it's, it's going well. The work you've done on the tap room is phenomenal, by the way. Thank you. Because like, normally beautiful. when a brewery first starts up, it's like, you know, it takes a while to get that to a place where it's like, this is actually a pleasant place to sit and drink beer rather than just feeling like you're in a warehouse. Right. And in yours, you definitely are in a warehouse, but at the same time, it feels very nice and close and like, you know, like you'd, you'd use it like you'd use a pub. Yeah, rather- I mean, as, as part of the setup of, of the business, we did a lot of research. We traveled all over the world researching breweries, tap rooms, everything we could try and look at to sort of figure out what we wanted to come home and set up and that's fed a lot of it a lot of the American market is geared towards tap rooms that are social spaces but still in an industrial environment and it was very much our plan to, to develop something that is comfortable that you want to spend time in 
but is still very much part of the process. You know, you can yeah. see the tanks, you can see all the brewing kit, there's four lift trucks in the corner, there's pallets of malt everywhere, and it's it's close to the action, but it's comfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just one of the things I love about it is the like the fridges that you've got mm. that just like <laughs> open back into your yeah. like in your cold room. It's yeah. just like that looks cool. Yeah. And they like like but it's also. I mean, I'm things. sure you've done it because you can backload the fridges, but also because it looks cool. Yeah. yeah it's, but it's one of those things you look at and it's like it's so obvious when you think about it, but you look at it and go. We've been idiots for so long. Like, why are we, why are what we, are we doing this for? Yeah. But you said, like, I, I found out I visited my brother last year. He lives in Florida, and you go into just like the petrol stations where they sell like the you know they've just got beer and stuff, but they keep it in cold rooms, and all of their fridges are backloadable. So there's corridors behind all the fridges. It's just like this is. Why just, wouldn't you have it like that? Yeah, it you makes so much more sense when you see it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just don't worry about it. Just backload everything. It's beautiful. Yeah. Stock rotation's very, very easy now. <laughs> yeah, I bet. It's, just, it's cool. Yeah. It works really, really well. It's like, it's oh, great. why have we not done this in this country ever before? Yeah. But then again, it just fits in with everything else. Like when we first walked into Double Barrel, we just looked at it and went, oh, I see. He's done everything correctly. Well done. <laughs> Thank You've you. got to set it up. Set it up probably from the beginning. <laughs> it just helps, really, in the long run. Thank you very much. That's very nice words thanks guys um, so you brought some beer for us to try I have yes what is it so this is it's a little bit of a I don't want to say a cult following because we've not been going all around long enough to have developed a cult following but so we brewed this beer three times now it is called Pocket Money it is a rhubarb and custard goza and I'd quite like you to try it and tell me what you think so this is the first uh, first beer that's been uh, brought for an interview, which I've already had quite a lot of this weekend. <laughs> I'm like, yes, this is real good. Ah, oh, it's just, it's so <laughs> nice. Uh, it's it like, because that rhubarb just shines through so amazingly, but it doesn't have, it hasn't got the super tartness that you get with a lot no. of rhubarb. I mean, like we've had some rhubarb sours and stuff, and they work really well, but to get that the custard flavouring yeah, as well that was the challenge so evocative of not not only rhubarb and custard but specifically those rhubarb and custard sweets you used to get that which was are the, the plan. best things yeah that and was sort just, of that's the, it like, that was the the inspiration behind it. it was like I wonder if we could do something that tasted like those boiled sweets that we all yeah. had as a kid and it does like um, you've nailed it and you've made it perfect for a summer's day where right. you can just go right I'm having a drink get that in you yeah and it's so it's in the flavors are just outstanding thank you it's thank so you refreshing much. there's so like the sweetness is there but it doesn't get overpowering the tartness is there but it doesn't get overpowering and it's just i know it's just really easy for something so full-bodied it's like right you, you know, you've got that real rich flavor but I mean, it's still a really crisp refreshing beer lactose massively helps that and so yeah to, to bring the custard element in it was very much a Right, well, so lactose will get you some part of the way, but you need some vanilla in there to sort yes, of yeah. edge that up a little bit. You have bit to get the flavour of yeah. custard. Right. And the flavour of custard's not just the, the milky bit. It, that, no. That's a lot of the mouthfeel, but to get the flavour like, of custard, you, don't you want have to put get cust- the vanilla in. You don't want to put custard in there. No, don't, I mean, you probably... I mean, I've never brewed with custard. It's, I've toyed with the idea of it. I've just been talking to Ian Clark a while weather about, yeah. like, what would happen if we did. I know. Like... Well, we've had a lot of oh, discussions no. like that with various brewers. Like, so I remember talking to Kieran, uh, who's uh, who is uprising, but uh, is now at Blackjack. But he was like, 
Could we do coffee beer, but by just replacing the water part of beer with coffee? Is that? Can you do that? <laughs> wow! <laughs> and it's like, oh, let's and give it a try. He's, ra- and he's staying awake for weeks. Going, I can't see any solid reason why not. <laughs> <laughs> but that, it, it's what I love about, especially uh, home brewing, um, is just the ability to go, what if? Yeah, and it, yeah, and if it doesn't work, it's it's yeah, an experiment. Like, 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 you can, it, you'll it, learn something guys from level, it. It's a risk. Uh, our level as a home brewer is like. Yeah. Oh well. Twenty-five years. Uh, I messed that up. Yeah. Nobody needs to know. Exactly. Or yeah. everyone needs to know because you know, learn from your mistakes and whatnot. There is that. But you're yeah. still making some really interesting stuff. Uh, uh, Double Barrel, in spite of that sort of pressure, they're going. I can't afford to just chuck this out now. Do you feel that pressure, like transitioning from home brewing to like your your full kit now, or or, or are, you, are you just not that worried about it? You're just going to keep trying things and going for it. To some extent, we are, but we do. So we started life in our garage on a hundred liter kit, which we've still got. So. If there's an idea that we've got that we're not quite sure how we'd play it, then that's the perfect vessel to to do that with. And so your pilot kit is actually just your old homebrew kit. Yeah. And you I just, just love, do it. I just love that your pilot kit is still like twice the size of the amount that I brew. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that's just our pilot kit. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it is, yeah, it's one of those, like, it was a step going from the 25 litre batches to the, what was our garage brew kit. and. Yeah. It always felt stressful brewing in the garage just because it was cramped and yes, no yeah. drainage and everything that goes with that. But it's now we've got that pilot kit in the brewery in a space that's designed for brewing in. Yes, it's yeah. just so easy because even even though like the vast majority of brewing is actually just cleaning. Yes, having a place that can be easily cleaned. I mean, it that's, that's, that's got to be great. You haven't got yeah. you haven't got like worry about fridges for water hide nope. under. You just got it's all right. Everything's yeah. up high. I just mop up underneath yeah. it or just hose spray it down it. Yeah. to it's that perfect. nice big drain I've got cut in the floor. Yeah, exactly. Some sounds. Here. There is. I mean, this is a beer festival, so there you go. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> well, um, I mean, that is absolutely fantastic beer. I'm Thank sure you. we'll be along soon to try, you know, all the other things you've got on tap and yep. enjoy all of them as much as I imagine. Uh, Thank you very much for coming along. No, thank you. And uh, we'll speak to you soon. Cool. Have a good Thanks, guys. Okay, cool. so here we are with our next interviewee. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Kit, uh, and I'm from the Y Valley Meadery, which uh, unsurprisingly is based in the Y Valley. Yeah. yeah uh, the, the, the clue's in the title, yes. really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um... We don't know really that much about mead. Uh, we are looking to brew one at some point. Okay. Um, but you know, if you could just give us a, a rundown on what mead is and how yeah. it, okay. how you think it differs from beer. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So mead. I'm, I'm saying mead. You're probably thinking Vikings and monks and that kind of stuff, uh, which is very much what mead has been for a long time. You know, it's the oldest form of alcohol in the world. Um, so it was made originally by accident. Uh, you know, you, people used to collect honey in uh, animal skins and then um, if they'd leave it for a while water would get into it possibly and then it would ferment naturally with you know with natural yeast in the air yeah so it's the yeah it's the oldest form of alcohol in the world uh, and in, in many people's minds that's kind of where it stopped you know it's kind of um, reenactment fans and people who do larping which uh, and that kind of stuff which is which is all good and yeah, uh, yeah but yeah that mead uh, is a bit different to what we're trying to create so we're trying to create a modern twist on a really on a really old drink yeah okay. yeah but yeah so it, there's still a, a large following for it um, and people make the traditional stuff quite a lot uh, the US, in the US uh, craft mead's really picking up so there's some really cool stuff from Texas uh, there's a there's a meadery called superstition 
which are well worth looking up. And they do, yeah, like crazy flavors, like, um, yeah, well, coconut and. Literally, our last uh, interviewee, Mike from Double Barrels, oh, yeah. just mentioned that meadery. Oh, wow, well, okay. Like, yeah. Chris was like, because I'm not really sure about it. Yeah. I'm not huge on mead. Cal really likes mead. I love mead. Yeah, good. I, I've, I've yet to be fully sold on it outside yeah. of a mould format. Well, it's a really interesting uh, drink. I think we're going to see a lot of people experimenting with it much more because it's not, it's not really done its craft boom yet, as other drinks have. So, yeah, the Superstition guys are really paving the way for what it will look like. Yeah, and hopefully that's going to yeah. come over yeah, here. Mike literally said it would, do, it would change your views on mead entirely. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, they're doing like crazy like uh, coffee mead and just... Oh, yeah, wow. just have a look at their website. The flavors are insane. It's it's uh, but yeah, but uh, uh, delicious. And you can actually you can get a hold of it in a few little outlets in the UK. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's it's good stuff. So yep. what is the what's the process? I, like, I understand yeah. the brewing process. You know, like you get the grain. Yeah. You mash it. You boil it. You yep. add your hops. You ferment it. You bottle it. I understand that process. Yep. How does that differ with mead? Well, it's actually it's a lot simpler with mead. You know, you don't need, you don't need a lot of the equipment that you would need uh, use for uh, making beer. Uh, so actually, you need, a, you need a hot liquor tank and a fermenter essentially, and that'll get that'll get you going. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, the honey is obviously your fermentable sugars, uh, and then uh, that's that's you know that's the kind of bulk of it. Honey and water is uh, is mead, and it's yeah. whatever you choose. To, so you can make it as simple or as complicated as you like. Uh, we've we've chosen to make it a little more complicated, so because we uh, we bottle condition it and. Uh, the, we've got three flavours currently so there's a hoppy one uh, which is using cascade hops so we, we dry hop that at the end of the fermentation okay uh, yeah which is um, yeah which we find kind of really gives it um, so you get the hoppy mellowness as well and it doesn't it doesn't really conflict with the honey too much uh, but yeah I'll, I'll crack it open and see what you think yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll oh, like just the fact it Fixed. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, like what the mead I'm used yes, to yes you're not yeah that's not normal yeah, yeah exactly I'm used to, like kind of still mead yeah yeah well, what I'm yeah. quite liking here is you've given us a, 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 hop, a hopped mead. Yes. Just to maybe ease me in from, from my, my beer-centric taste. Yeah. So like, you advertise it like it's sparkling a mead. So it's a like, gateway drug to, uh, to mead. Do you find that, like, do you actually sell um, still meads? No, so, so there's plenty of people still doing the traditional stuff. Yes. Uh, and we find, you know, that's, that's really good. Uh, and they wanted to carry on doing that. But we're, um, yeah what made Tramic is different and make it a bit more modern we find the sparkling nature really lifts the the, uh, the honey flavours as well because we use our honey from the Y Valley and it has a lot of unique a uh, lot of uh, flowers and that kind of stuff in the Y Valley yes and you get that flavour much more if it's sparkling it kind of holds on your tongue a bit more and then after the aftertaste you're going to get the hoppy the hoppy aftertaste yeah but it's, it's really interesting it's kind of it's not a beer it's not a, a sparkling wine it's not no. a cider it's something completely different outside of all those really but you can taste elements of all those in it yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah. It's, i mean like, like i love mead anywhere yeah and that is because I, I i find especially during the summertime if i was to drink just the traditional style mead, yeah. i'd be like ah, it's uh, it's a bit much especially because yes. the percentage is a little bit higher yeah so you're not drinking like a pint of it or you're not drinking a half of it you're drinking a small amount yeah whereas that because the carbonation is there and it's chilled you can go actually no hold on this has suddenly become a very refreshing summertime yep. drink with the with the the carbonation there. and then good. the percentage of five and a half percent yeah like the carbonation is doing a lot to mitigate what for me is is something i just can't get on like i have struggled to get on board with me before yep. which is just obviously because it's made of honey it's like it's pretty damn sweet yes. and that's just not normally my vibe and the but the carbonation gives it a bite so it, it, it sort of cuts it off 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's, that's actually working for me a lot better. Yeah, and you, yeah, get, so. you get actually a bit of the um, bitterness from the carbonation as yeah. well. So, yeah, uh, as, you, as you kind of get loaded down the bottle, um, it kind of, the carbonation goes a little bit and you'll, and you'll begin to taste more like familiar kind of meat a little bit so yeah you kind of get the best of both worlds really with this stuff yeah and, and the fact it's hopped as well like those hops do come yeah. through yeah like it's it, they're not they're not hidden away so you don't have to go looking for them they yeah. are definitely there yeah definitely yeah and actually we, we use cascade because it's kind of it's it's not going to fight with the honey you know yes. it, it, it kind of they blend really well together and uh, yeah but we, we're gonna hopefully do a range where we kind of because yeah, yeah, the sparkling and the honey kind of lifts the hoppy flavour. We're going to do a range of like different hops, and then uh, you can you can taste the difference. I think maybe more so than in in some beers. Yeah. You can kind of like yeah, a range of different hops, and then yeah, you can sort of go through the range of meads. Can I be cheeky and try the rhubarb one as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's another yeah, thing that obviously so. will lend some tartness to it. Yeah. Which I'll, I'll open it on the uh, near the microphone, so maybe yeah, you'll hear the uh, the fizz. Yeah. Piss. There we go. I don't know if you got that. See, but he yeah. understands this audio format. <laughs> yeah. This is how you do yeah. radio. This is how you radio. You're yeah. not like so Cal, who's been doing this for two years and still just makes hand gestures all the time. <laughs> I'm, I'm, all, I'm no always using hand gestures. No one, one day you'll be them. doing live streaming as well, and then maybe uh, yeah. it'll, be, it'll be worthwhile. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, the, the punters here who can see me making the hand gestures, yeah, yeah. they don't know why, because they, they can't hear what they we're look saying. They look good. But yeah. they can see me wildly flailing about. Yeah. So yeah, the, the rhubarb one is kind of aimed a little bit more at the fruity cider market. So yeah, yeah it's it's the a little bit drier. Very strange, like it's completely different to the taste. Yes, it? yeah, it's a bit drier as well because people have, who have like rhubarb, they look at the words rhubarb and honey and they think, oh, that's going to be overly sweet. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so deliberately, deliberately made it a bit drier. Uh, yeah, just so uh, just to confuse people really. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's nice. Like most of the sweetness of rhubarb isn't actually the rhubarb; it's the things you normally put yes. it with. Rhubarb is very tart. Uh, without, yeah, people yeah. cover it in sugar and then uh, yeah, then they think it's a sweet thing, it's but just it's not because everyone in that rhubarb and custard yeah. mindset it's yeah like, exactly yeah, rhubarb is only it's not the sweet part of that. yeah yeah exactly exactly that's really nice yeah, i like that it's, one that, that, yeah, i really good. like rhubarb it's refreshing and hopefully that's a, that might not be as cold as it, as it might be but yeah we've got some in the uh, in the freezer outside and yeah yeah, um, yeah it's really good as a mixer as well it's very impressive oh so, thank um, you what is the uh, what's the yeast that you use yeah so we deliberately because uh, it's bottle conditioned and people often drink it out of the bottle so We've used a, a champagne yeast actually. Okay. Yeah, because it, it kind of it copes with the temperature range that we brew at, and um, it it sticks really nicely to the bottom of the bottle. So as you tip it up, it doesn't all yeah, like you're not, yeah. You're not getting a lot of that yeah. sediment. Yeah, you I know exactly. Pouring the rhubarb one because I got halfway through it going, oh no, I'm going to pour a little yeah. gloopy yeast, and it just didn't move. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, <laughs> sounds deliberate. So we, we were watching people because it was um, they're drinking it like they would a I guess like a a, a, a lager or a, a light yeah. beer. So they drink yes. it straight out of the bottle. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it's um, deliberately chosen for that. Yeah. So you talked earlier on about uh, so obviously the happy accident of Mead's sort of origin. Yeah. Like, is the difference between that and obviously this very controlled selected yeast like is it as drastic as when you have like a wild yeast beer uh, or and or if you do something with like a really clean like US lager yeast or something like that. Is it a drastic, really drastic yes. different flavour? And actually because because the, there's so few flavours actually as honey and uh, obviously you know elderflower or rhubarb or, or hops because there's not many flavours to hide behind as you would with some beers. The, the flavouring that the yeast brings uh, really is uh, on show much more and, and I think some people don't really realise the, that the yeast has such an impact on flavour uh, but yeah it, it really does yeah. 
But is yeah. it nice when it's like wild yeast mead? Have you had people had do much? it? You just can't repeat. Like what we try and do is make every single bottle as you know repeatable and, and kind of get a really consistent uh, yeah. brew. Uh, but yeah, people do, and and you get then you get really interesting local flavors as well because different areas have you know different different wild yeasts and stuff so yeah it's uh it's something that we uh want to definitely experiment with a bit more we were talking uh i can't remember who it was but we were talking about uh like sort of belgian beers and like lambic and stuff like that and how some of them will like won't change their building yeah even though it's in dire need of some yes. repair because they're worried they'll lose their really distinctive uh, like just natural yeast yeah and yeah it's interesting to think you just you just go somewhere else with the same thing yeah but and it's go a, see what happens here but it'll be a different thing yeah it'll be totally different which is amazing yeah? and that's obviously how yeah the meat was originally made uh, they didn't really cultivate yeast and, uh, back in the day and yeah amazing yeah oh, that's awesome uh, so at some point like I'd be so interested to come down like just do a full length episode where we absolutely really you're very welcome in depth yeah. into it so you know I'll hit you up some point on yep. my email, and yeah, like we'll yeah, please we, do. You we'll can come, get real in depth. You can come and do some beekeeping as well. You can you can oh. extract the honey out of the hive, and uh, you can then turn it into mead. You can then, but yeah, let's do it. Because I love bees and I love honey. So perfect. I don't, do you love those good white suits? You yeah, you can look like I mean, an I'm astronaut. I'm not opposed to the good white suits. <laughs> so I don't you've got to have a look. Love them. We get some very funny looks uh, when we're driving along uh, with, a, with, a, with a, a car full of bees, uh, and we're sat in the front with our bee suits on in, ca- <laughs> in case they all escape inside the car. And then people look at us like we're, uh, yeah, I mean, we're that, that seems like a reasonable precaution. I would not, as much as I love bees, I don't want to be trapped in a car with a lot of yeah, angry bees <laughs> at all. It's one of the hazards of the job. Uh, yeah. It hasn't happened yet, although, yeah, uh, yeah, there's some amusing, because you have to move them all at night. If you want to move a beehive, you have to wait till they've all gone to bed. Yes. So at night time, otherwise about three quarters of them will be out. Uh, so, yeah, we have to go at midnight and go and uh, strap all the roof down and, and uh, put it back in the van or back in the car. But yeah, it's uh, you, yeah. People think you're up to no good. Uh, it's it's quite funny. <laughs> Especially yeah. when the suits on. Yes, yeah. But yeah. Awesome. Well, it's really good to meet you both. And yeah, you're very welcome to come down and, and yeah, have yeah, a go. Yeah, starting me on my journey to maybe liking mead. So. <laughs> Excellent. Good. Thank you very much, and we'll catch up with you in a bit. Yeah. Cheers. Okay, so here we are with our next interviewee. If you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi there. Uh, my name's Paul. I'm from Big Nooks Republic Brewery in Manchester. Cool. Uh, what's your position there? Uh, so I started it about four years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So owner slash chief cleaner. <laughs> so are you still head brewer there, or have you brought someone in to kind of help you out a bit more? Yeah. So so we started with uh, with just myself, and I was double brewing for uh, for a good year. So all the transferring, all the packaging, all the racking. All, all the sales, the all the admin, all the deliveries, absolutely everything. Yeah. And I knew I could, it wasn't sustainable, um, but I did it for a year, year, 18 months until it got to the point where we had to kind of expand because I've got a, we've got a wife and I have an 18 month old boy. Right. So, uh, so my time has been, been very limited. So the, the, the master plan has been to, to kind of expand the brewery, uh, get more fermenting vessels, but to get more fermenting vessels, you need brewers so we've yeah. got a couple of brewers in now who are very qualified and they've kind of taken over the mantle uh, we opened a bar six months ago so that's taken my time up quite a bit as well cool uh, so do you find you've stepped more into just sort of like a management position where, you, where you're kind of just dealing with the sales the paperwork that sort of stuff yeah we've, we've brought in a sales manager as well who deals very very well with the sales um, so I guess my position now is kind of overseeing things making sure 
all the, 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 the kind of components are correct, that the yeah. QC is being done properly at the brewery, um, over, overlooking uh, recipes. I, try, I, always, I was always trying to be in control of the recipes, but to be honest, if you're a brewer, I, I guess part of the love of beer is, is to kind of create new recipes. So I've kind, I've kind of thrown it back kind to them. You kind of have to let your brewers do their thing. Yeah, they, exactly. You've and got it, to trust them. They know, yeah, they so, know so, what they're doing. Yeah, so they start with specials and one-offs, and we'll see how that goes and, you know, kind of uh, decide if it's working on the creative front. Yeah. And once, you know, everyone's happy with what they're doing and what the, the kind of beer that we make, then, yeah, more than happy to, to kind of let them run and so roll with it. So you're sitting back in a more sort of, like, you're curating the creative side rather than, like... Yeah, yeah. It gives me a bit. It gives me a bit of a chance to come to festivals like this, really, because when it was just on on my own, there was no chance of getting out. I could barely do the sales properly and getting out to see people locally. So coming down to Reading from Manchester for for a long weekend wasn't really viable. Have you ever thought about giving yourself the title of Grand Overseer? I haven't, but it's definitely possible it's now. Option, isn't We're it? full of good ideas. <laughs> no, we've got loads of ideas. But I'm thinking grand overseer. That's grand way better than overseer. managing director, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah. It looks yeah. good on the old curriculum vitae. <laughs> you write that on a card, people are going to pay attention. Oh man, like, if I have to write a CV again, it's all gone wrong. <laughs> nah, I can feel that. Not for uh, long, because you'll have been grand overseer at a successful grand brewery overseer. before that. Yeah, no. <laughs> These things matter when it comes to the words, apparently. <laughs> Uh, so you've brought a uh, beer along for us to try. Yep. Um, what is the beer and why is it that you've brought this to us to go, this is something I'm particularly proud of? What is it? Uh, so the beer I brought is, it's called Weizenart. Uh It's a hoppy wheat ale. Um, so it's made with 40% wheat. It's made with a traditional uh, German yeast. But we've dry hopped it and heavily uh, late hopped it with Citra and Mandarina Bavaria. So it's got that kind of slight herbal fruitiness, but also citra yeah. kind of kind of lifting it all up a bit. Um, and I guess I'm proud of it because it's not a style that's massively done at the minute. You don't see too many kind of the hoppier wheat. Yeah, yeah, try some. Uh, too many um, kind of hoppy wheats. And given the weather's kind of absolutely pristine for it now, it's such a nice summer beer. Um, it, it's just, yeah, something I... After every day at the bar, I generally have one of these because it's just so I love it. Yeah, like that. It, it's it marries those two things together so perfectly. Just that those hops sing through, but you get that that wheat beer. Yeah, like it, it, it doesn't. None of it's overpowering. They blend together so perfectly, and the the temperature and the carbonation. Like this weekend is just it, it's blow away amazing. The the, the sort of heat that we're getting from outside so I imagine these types of beers are selling probably better than the strongest outs are just because people want something refreshing and quaffable yeah. do, you th- do you reckon that's why people keep bringing this 10% stout I think that's why people keep bringing this 10% stout because <laughs> they just can't get rid of it like drink it but what I really like about this is uh, it's it's not over hopped but it's hopped to a higher level than those Hefeweizens yeah. normally are because normally even if you see uh, certainly with the German uh, wheat beers, this is the Hopfenweiss. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's still not very hoppy, though, is it? And like, so that's like, it's got enough, like, it's really hop forward, but it doesn't take away from that, those wheat beer esters and those like very light high notes. Yeah, I mean, my background is a, uh, is a home brewer. Um, so kind of experimenting with different things to kind of extreme levels has always been a part of it but obviously now you have to take the commercial considerations 
into account. And yes. to be honest, I, I kind of went from drinking a lot of thirds of things to actually just wanting a pint. Yeah. We were discussing just, this the other day. We so, had, a, had yeah. a, lot, a lot of lovely beer up on the up on the keg wall at the pub and we finished the evening. It's like, I just want a normal beer in the entire class. Yeah, so we, we've kind of focused, certainly over the last six to nine months, on drinkability but with the kind of the hoppiness that that everyone at the brewery loves yeah because yeah. it's it, it allows everyone to enjoy it and and we do a lot of cask beer as well and we don't differentiate the recipes between cask keg and can it's okay. exactly the same recipe that goes into cask so if it, it works really really well on on cask and it's really hoppy but on a keg it also works it's a slightly different dimension of course but they're, yeah. they're, they're both we you know we're really happy with them in the uh in the brewery I mean you never stop tinkering with recipes whether it's 2% here or trying to bring the pH up or down one or two points or, yeah. or whatever yeah. it might be um, yeah it's just fun really but like, it's, it is one of the things I love about home brewing is just the level of experimentation you can have yeah. and like speaking to because um, a lot of the brewers here started as home brewers yeah, and, absolutely. and you get a chance to them and it's just like do you feel that you lose some of that the, the ability to experiment because suddenly you have to make something commercial you have to make it sellable yeah I, th- I think and do you brew at home still uh, I don't know you don't <laughs> no unfortunately not with uh, as I say with a, with a young child and uh, I think when so I lived in London for 10 years and yeah. I was uh, home brewing in the kitchen of a one bed flat almost every weekend very yeah. constantly so I think my wife's quite happy that it's it's not really happening in our, our place in Manchester now. Well, that's the thing, and, and I suppose if you're doing it professionally, it's a bit of a busman's holiday. Yeah, you're, they're just going. Ah, oh, I mean, I love it, but can I really be bothered to do it at home? Yeah, and my, and the and the, the the homebrew kit that I had was very uh, very basic, so it took. God, how basic? <laughs> it was pretty damn basic, to be honest. There was a lot of uh, waiting around for things to heat up and, yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of an hour here, an hour there. Obviously, within the commercial sphere, things are a lot quicker, a lot more efficient. Yes, so yeah. to be honest, we, we've got such a small kit at the brewery, um, we have to double brew to brew eight barrels. Oh, really? Yeah. So it, what, it, uh, what, what size kit are you brewing on? <laughs> it's a bit of a mishmash. <laughs> so, we, so we've got a double size HLT. We've got a... Uh, six barrel mash ton and a four barrel copper right, just okay. yeah just so we can make kind of stronger beers um, it, it's it's probably the most labor intensive for the amount per, per liter <laughs> you, you'll ever come across it's insane so we're, tr- we're trying to rectify that I, and hopefully I, I like we'll that do it. it's like what we've done is is basically done it the most difficult <laughs> the difficult we've done it wrong exactly <laughs> well, as I say my, my background's a home brewer it's um, we, we started the brew with, um, let's say, limited budget, yes, <laughs> to yeah, put it yeah. mildly. So yeah. uh, we had to kind of get what we could. And at the time, my, my time was uh, the less of the priorities. Yes, yeah. And yeah. then once we started going, it was like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah, I'm so tired. I'm so knackered. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Well, I mean, thank you very much for coming along. It's been fantastic to chat with you. Uh, no, thank it you. would be very nice at some point to kind of get in contact and see if we can maybe do like a full episode and really get in depth into you know kind of how your brewery came about and just get really yeah in depth absolutely into some of the, like some of the recipes yeah no worries well, um, st- well we started doing direct sales into london now so i think uh, in the southeast so hopefully you'll see more of the beers around anyway that'd be awesome
Uh, well, you know, if you ever need a pint in Reading, come down to the Nags. Yeah. The Nags head is it's good. Yeah, I heard it's good. <laughs> Thank you very much. No worries. Thank, Thank you very much. Okay, so here we are with our next interviewee. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm Chris. I'm from uh, De Molen. Uh, we're based at Dutch Brewery uh, in a small town called uh, Bodegraven. It's near Gouda. Uh, as you may know, they're good at cheese, uh, like a lot of people do. Uh, I've been working there for three and a half years now. And yeah, I really do a lot in the brewery. Uh, I'm working in all different kinds of sections. I do production administration, I do stock control, uh, I take in orders, I do import, I do export, uh, I do like some financial stuff. And uh, at Ruri we have uh, a small group, well small, it's about 20 guys uh, with um, um, mental health issues. And, uh, they, have, they are like grown men, so to say, yeah, okay. but uh, their brain is like 14, 15 to 18, and it's 20 guys uh, that they're doing the labeling of bottles for special beers, uh, the the waxing of the bottles, yeah. they're assisting on the filling line, uh, all, all small, small uh, kinds of small things. Yes, and yeah, I supply them with their work as well. So Fantastic. yeah, I uh, I do it, a lot. Yeah, so it, it, it seems like the Demolino uh, really trying to kind of. Um, make it a very inclusive um, work environment where they're trying yeah. to get a lot of people just active and into the work world. Yeah, yeah, the, those guys are officially ba- paid by the government yeah. because they can't work for themselves. So uh, the organization that's uh, providing them work are like a separate company within the Molen. Okay. Uh, so they, they work for themselves, but they work at the Molen. So the government pays them. And we get like a small subsidiary for it, but it's like the goodwill for the guys so that they can work. Yes. Because they need to work uh, according to the government. Yeah. So yeah, we are happy to oh, give so them that almost space. It's like the government in the Netherlands cares about the population. Yeah. <laughs> that, sorry, I, 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 I don't understand that. <laughs> yeah. The government cares about their so, people. Yeah, that, that, that's one one of the things I really like the most about the Molen. Because yeah. we have that in place at our brewery and we really take care of it. Yes. Yes. It's something we don't want to get rid of. It's, and those guys, you know, they're, they're all like 22 to 30 to 40, yeah. really. Yeah. But they have mindsets of 18. And they're so proud to work at like the international brewing company that we are. Yeah. It's amazing to see. It really oh, is amazing awesome. to see. Yeah. So... Um, how did Demolin come about? Like, like, like what, what, what's the history behind the brewery? Uh, Demolin is pretty old, really. We've been around since, oh, let me think, 2004. Yep. The owner started Demolin, but he started brewing his, in his shed. Right. Next to his house. That's the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a proper home brewer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because um, he was tired of all the traditional styles and, and the ales. No offense. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he was following a bit. He was looking at America because then it started there. Yes. And he was like, all right, that's what I want as well. But in the Netherlands. And, uh, oh. Oh, that's falling oh. off the table. Yeah. Technical difficulties. <laughs> Bear with me. One second. I hope you remember what you were saying. Yeah. <laughs> Straight back in. Straight back. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, he started in his garage. And... Um, 
it, 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 it was selling locally and uh, it got bigger and yeah. in surrounding areas and then then it got big too it, too big for his garage and then he went into the molen like right. the original molen where uh, uh, as yeah. in the brauerei the molen yeah. then he was there for a few years and then yeah it, it's it's grown from there and now the brewery is based like 50 meters away from the original molen oh wow and in the molen itself is now our bottle shop and our cafe our uh, our brew pub yeah that's brilliant so, that's awesome uh, so it's nice to be able to maintain like sort of what is the or clearly the logo and the icon for your brewery yeah Physi- very physically at the yeah, site yeah 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 you can see it from our brewery and uh, yeah it's amazing um, and yeah it's, it's it all started from there then and it, until like two three years ago it was 80% export and 20% domestic so okay. we're really well known foreignly but not as much domestically yes yeah. uh, but we're trying to change it now uh, was that a deliberate decision early on like what, what willingness to export or is that uh, just that, how it panned out uh, that I don't know that I don't know it's, Fair it's, enough. Well, when I got at the Molen in end of 2015 uh, it, yeah that was the deal well it's a lot of export and a small bit of domestic sales yeah well, it's good because it means I, I've had, I, I, I get some. So it's, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I'm always happy with like when I can see breweries like you know you got your local bottle shop, uh, especially like the Grumpy Goat is the one that's in um, Reading. Yeah, and like just being able to go down there and go, yep, want some of that brewery, and it's breweries that you just wouldn't be able to get a hold of otherwise yeah. unless you know there was some level of export. Yeah, because there's some outstanding beer out there, and some of it never leaves certain countries. Yeah, it's like, yeah. that's such yeah. a shame because. You know, you can't always get yourself to the country where that beer is, and you can because of social media. You hear about these beers, yeah, yeah, and you're like, but, but you I want to try it. Yeah, you can't get them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, but it's, <laughs> it's what, so expensive to yeah. go over there. <laughs> but it's also it's, it's what gets a certain country's beer scene into a rut, right? Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's it's so it's like I mean, for, I mean, for years in England, like uh, America just had a really bad reputation for beer, and it's like it's not that they can't make beer it's that we can't import beer like import better beer yeah and you see it yeah but, like, americans are different they yeah. they they want it fresh going. but to get it shit to too <laughs> just that <well. laughs> you but, can tell the weekend's pressing on a but bit but to get it shipped to the to the us takes a month and yes. then they're like oh it's already a month old no yeah yeah and they want it in cans they were all in cans. Yeah, we don't do cans. <laughs> but that's it. It's it's knowing knowing the market you want to kind of deliver to, and yeah. you know, like once you once you can isolate that market, then you can start going right. This is how we're going to export it, and just yeah. making sure it actually works for you as a business. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Yeah, but it's yeah. really interesting how like the different, I guess, sort of snobberies develop around each thing it's like there's nothing particularly wrong with that or that it's just some places or some certain breweries certain consumers just really don't want a certain thing like certainly in the realm of english ales i've never really liked bottle conditioned beer like like, there's plenty of beers i know i like when i get it uh like on a hand pull but i get it in the bottle i go i don't like this yeah yeah and it's it's like whereas you know there's equally that there's a big thing people don't like cans or people don't like this yeah. it's just like yeah. it's interesting how much down to personal taste those those little th- it's well, always a taste thing those yes. things it's, all, it's always they always. seem so small but they're not yeah. like they yeah. matter a lot like, yeah uh, I mean talking about a taste thing yeah 
I think we should try some of this beer. So what yeah. what is this beer that you brought us to uh, try? I brought the Dachendau. It translates to a day in June. And this is our spring special. Uh, we brew this every year around February to be sold around the end of March, beginning of April. Uh, we only brew this on full pre-sale. Okay. Uh, to make it like a proper spring beer and then it's sold. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. Because we have our summer beer coming up, so it's, uh, it's, it's brewed with bergamot, a citrus fruit. Oh, nice. It, like, it, is, it is so... It is so refreshing. Like from from the the color of it, you go, okay, so that, that, that's going to be like really heavily malty. And, uh, as soon as you try, no, it, you go. Uh, the base so is an crisp. IPA. Yeah. It's, uh, but we added the bergamot uh, at seven point one percent. So it's a bit, it bit heavier. It's, it's all, uh, I'm just going in for another big gulp, but I'm like, sorry, sorry, hold on. 7.1. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't. It doesn't taste like seven point one. No, it really doesn't. No, no. no. It smells like it's going to be really uh, like biscuity. And like, yeah. like, just really quite rich. Like, like that citrusiness it's just so light. powers through it. The yeah. citrusy is yeah. so good. Yeah, and it's, it's dangerously drinkable. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's, um, we always let it sit for at least two weeks yeah. before we sell it because at start the bergamot brings a lot of bitterness yeah. to the beer. So, uh, yeah, after two, three weeks, it's spot on. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, beautiful. I, mean, I, I like it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's one of my favorites. It's uh, yeah. I'll, I'll be drinking. It's, it's, it's a doing lot really of this. well here as oh, well. I can, I can imagine. Yeah, it's yeah. Just like, like the like weather is great, yeah. right yeah. for it, right? Yeah, it's great weather. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you say you only brew once. Is it the like? Is it the same every year, or do you do uh, a spring special in this sort of no, style? It's thing? always this one every year. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Good. Just talking to certain breweries this weekend. Like some of them have like a core range or like a cycle, and others like once that beer is gone, you will never see it again. Like yeah, they are not going to brew it. Yeah, again. Our, our summer special is called uh, Summer of, and then the year. Yeah. So uh, in uh, 2016, uh, 17, we had Summer of 17. Yeah. And uh, through the Summer of Love, inspired by that, and that beer does change every year. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in style. But uh, for the past two years, it has been a Berliner Weisse, but with different ingredients. Uh, so yeah, that's our it's, it, it's always nice to kind of experiment. Like, like having a core beer is amazing because yeah. it just means that for, for the brewer, they can kind of perfect it and go, right, yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's get it nailed. Yeah. yeah, a little bit more or a little bit less yeah. bergamot. And it's, it's always it's, a bit of a tweak. It's yeah. never changing anything fundamental. Yeah. But then exactly. actually still being able to just brew kind of yeah. like fun and interesting things you go right I'm going to change it I'm going to change it no. that is fantastic like from a brewing perspective it is a lot of fun yeah. but that you can tell they've they've honed that recipe down like yeah, that is yeah, yeah. and it's, the bergamot uh, is so prominent because it's yeah. just so it's just so balanced without losing any of the things that make it what it is it's just like it's all there you can yeah. like every aspect of it you get without any of it being overpowering to anything else it's and lovely. it's 7 plus percent yeah, it's just so good though yeah yeah i mean like thank you very much for bringing that for, that for us to try thank you very yeah. much for uh chatting with us yeah like, i'm sure we will catch up with you yeah. later on in the festival yeah, yeah. assuming you're here this be sure evening you do as well. be sure you do yeah <laughs> excellent thank, thank you, you very much. much yeah you're welcome guys cheers okay so here we are with our next interviewee would you like to introduce yourself 
Uh, hi, yeah, my name's Steve. I uh, run the packaging and barrel house at Sire and Craft Brew cool. in Finchhampstead. Uh, how long have you been working there? Uh, I've been at Siren for approaching five years now, so just over a year after the brewery started up. Uh, nice. Uh, did you get into um, the sort of like the beer industry from a homebrew background, or were you just uh, a keen drinker? Uh, I, I was and still am, and probably still will be in the future a keen drinker. Um, I felt that I probably was going to have to get. I wanted to get into craft working in craft beer. Yeah, so I was lucky enough to start with Siren in the early days where being like keen, hardworking and interested in craft beer, there were plenty of opportunities to come in. And so like my the first in fact I the job I started doing was five or six weeks worth of labeling yeah. bottles. And that was five years ago. I mean like that's how a lot of people uh, get in the room. So uh, Mike, who regularly co-hosts this with me, he's just started at West Barks. Um, and he's basically just working in the packaging department uh, and that's with the intention of eventually ending up to hopefully be brewing beer so I think a lot of people unless you unless you start your own brewery that is just the way you've got to do it you've got to go and do the grunt work yeah you've got, you've got to wear the t-shirt for a bit first right yeah I guess um, and do, like do you find that coming to events like this uh, is quite beneficial for you um, well, I, I think a really an amazing thing about this event is that it's in Reading. Yes. Um, it's it's like it's it's the events that we're we go yeah we're taking our beer to around the country and around the continent or the world. Yes. Even. Yeah. Um, but the great thing about this is that the other breweries that we respect and like or work or collaborate yeah, with or who are just uh, across yeah, the just, road from you. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, yes, that's true. That like there's a lot of. It's good to see like a lot of Berkshire represented yeah. in a in a Berkshire beer festival. Um, yeah, but having everyone like coming here to our patch is a good thing. Yeah, um, it, it, it's I imagine it's really good for um, sort of just networking amongst different brews, especially like some of them from further afield that you might like respect as a, a consumer of their product. Actually, getting to meet them and go okay let's swap ideas like maybe we should do a brew together uh, it's easy with Andy because he's literally across the road but some yeah. of the further afield ones not so much yeah yeah I think like, I think networking is a, a very generous way of describing it because <laughs> oh, I mean, getting yeah, like, drunk together yeah, whatever yeah, you want to call I, it I think yeah I think that like the last couple of days has been really fun we've, we've been collaborating with uh, Magic Rock and with Left Handed Giant in the last couple of days who are yeah. both pouring beer at the festival um, uh, Tom and Danny from Little Earth Projects have yeah, been around yeah. in town for a couple of days as well. So it's really good. Yeah, it's we've, like the last few days has been a really good opportunity to yeah just like hang out and talk to people about the beers, you know, each other's beers, but also just like hang out because you know we're still people who enjoy having a, a beer together as well. Yeah, and that's what I think that's what's really nice well. about good. this sort of level, right? Is that you're you're talking to the people who actually brew the beer, yeah. Like, rather than it like when a beer festival is really big. It's just it, everything gets a bit lost in the lost in the mess of it. Whereas here, you, you you know you're talking to just the the two or three people who are genuinely involved. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it's a, it's a it's a very nice sort of community spirited. It's good. Vibe. It's a really yeah yeah. It's a really important thing of what. I mean, it's it's it is a characteristic of craft beer and why working in craft beer is so fun. And and being a craft beer drinker yeah. right now is so much fun. A really good thing for us in the last couple of years has been opening the tap yards, like 
uh, on site. And it's at a the, very nice site tap at the brewery. Yeah, well. yeah. And very nice because we we had we'd had that set up uh, back three or four years ago, um, and at that point there wasn't uh, there wasn't uh, there weren't so many people who knew about Siren in the yeah. local area. It's been really great to see how you can build it. Yeah. I, I, imagine, I imagine you build sort of a community up yeah, there. Yeah. So, like, so, um, you know, for, for us living in the middle of Reading, obviously you've got to get a, uh, like a bus or a taxi out there, but you'll also have a lot of people who live locally to that who probably use that as their local. So you will get that same sort of level of community that you would in a local pub, such as, like, you know, we've got the Nags Head. You probably end up with a, a similar sort of like local feel to that because that's where people just go, just gonna nip down there. And having Sirens Tap Yard on your doorstep, yeah, that's uh, gonna be pretty good. Yeah, and I think it's yeah. So I think Andy Elusive is hoping soon to be have to have a tap yard on the same side. Yes, I would only like it's a crime. It's taken me this long to get to Double Barrel Tap Yard. But yeah, like you know, with the fringe events going on this weekend, I've made it up there yesterday. Um, and that yeah, again, it's the same thing. That's like. It's they. It's good that people are coming together to do what like pubs provide. Yes. Um, Reading doesn't have Reading has the Nags Head. Yes. Amazing place. Um, yeah, there's like obviously Brewdog set up, and there's only there's a small amount of other pubs doing really good beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it is. A, it's a really nice um, environment that is kind of happening within Reading, and the. What I love about the the breweries that we have in the area at the moment, they, there never seems to be any sort of like competition between them. You're not you're not, you're not fighting for for customers. You're all just going now. Like we're making beer, you're making beer. Let's just make good beer work, and that's absolutely fantastic. It's such a nice environment, yeah. like to be part of. But talking about good beer, you have brought us some good beer. I've what, had a sniff. What is this? So uh, yeah, this is this year's or well, last year's barrel aged Caribbean chocolate cake. Ooh. See, I did like Caribbean secret chocolate cake. Secret treat. I know yeah. this is a secret treat. So, um, what's it barrel aged in? Uh, this oh, is all, a barrel, uh, obviously. Uh, yeah, bourbon bourbon barrels. Amazing. Um, so it's a uh, Caribbean chocolate cake is a beer that we brewed uh, first off, yeah, like five or six years ago. Um, it was a collaboration with Cigar City. I'm wearing their T-shirt Cal's right now. Representing right here now. Yeah, yeah. yeah again, again with you, Cal. Pointing oh, yeah. at yourself for it's radio is not great. <laughs> okay, for, for for the benefit of the tape, I'm pointing at my T-shirt, which is a Cigar City Brewing T-shirt, because I went there last summer okay. and went to the brewery because my brother lives in Florida. He lives literally about ten minutes away from the brewery, which oh, is well. quite handy. Really not too, yeah. I mean, it was it was handy for me because he, he was like, "So what do you want to do when you're in Florida?" And I'm like, "Well, one, not burst into flames because it's so ridiculously hot, and another one, want to go to Cigar City Brewing if you don't mind." Yep. Well, so we did. something cold. It is yeah, an interesting thing about Cigar City and Florida breweries is that there are there are a lot of breweries that make sort of ten, twelve percent ABV. Yeah, often barrel-aged stouts, which isn't what you think. The it's Florida not the sort of thing you necessarily want to drink to in Florida, drink. is it? Yeah, yeah. It's but so um, hot, and you're like, yeah. the last thing I want is a really strong stout. But the thing is that they manage to make it work, and they nail it. But I think it's because they also do a lot of the other sort of like lighter end of stuff to yeah. really kind of hammer it home. But that that beer in particular, like the, the, the Caribbean chocolate cake. Well, I remember first. Beautiful. Ha- I remember first having the original. Caribbean chocolate cake at Reading Beer Festival and it was just so far 
removed from really anything I'd had before. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a thick beer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it is a, viscous. Like, mouthfeel-wise, it's like, you know, it's about as cakey as a beer can be while you still drink it. Yeah. Like, it's, it, it's very, uh, like, the, the name is very evocative of genuinely what, what it is. I haven't had this barrel-aged one yet, though, so I'm it is, It's it. absolutely beautiful. Like, it, it's, it's got so much depth. And like, fuck me. <laughs> How's that, Chris? Oh, it's all right, you're allowed it? to swear. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're allowed to swear, of course you are. I would are. have finished Fish. a lot more sentences earlier if I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I would have finished all of my sentences. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it's absolutely outstanding. Like, h- how long do you age it in the barrels? Yeah, so the, the thing with Caribbean chocolate cake, like, as a base beer, is that it already, ha- like, like you've already said, it already has kind of a lot of the characteristics that you might be looking for if you're putting a stout in bourbon barrels anyway. Yes, yeah, yeah. It has that kind of luxurious, sweet, like chocolate cakey element to it. Yeah. Um, so when we're, this, I think this is, the, this is the third time that we've, uh, this is the third batch that we've done. Okay. And we're thinking of making it like a regular thing. We've, yeah, it's, been, it's always been in bourbon barrels um, with, uh, from like different brands each time. Yeah, yeah. Um, this particular batch, uh, it was nine months in barrel, so wow. yeah, brewed February last year, packaged in uh, like November time. Um, this time, what we were able to do was really like follow closely a bit more the evolution of yes, that, yeah, that yeah. flavor in the barrel. Um, and basically, what what we we've done a lot of bourbon barrel aged beers in the past that have been like super thick, full on yes, vanilla, yeah, yeah. sweet, like proper pastry bomb kind of <laughs> affairs. Um, whereas I think, like, because because Caribbean chocolate cake starts off with a head start on a lot, yeah, of, like, like, of that, it, it, of it's that already at that point, really, yeah. isn't it? Like, so what, the barrel aging is less. It's yeah, I think the the spirit kind of carries there, definitely in the nose yeah. and in the finish. Um, but it adds like, uh, yeah, the depth. It adds comes, a gravitas some of that, like, to there's the There's a bit of like leather, umami, yeah. other kind of things going going on with it as well. It's um, gone to the Jilly Golden stage where you're just talking about things you don't really want to drink. But you go, <laughs> yeah, 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 that is right, though. That's it. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's such a powerful beer. Like, it is such a powerful beer. And it tastes absolutely amazing. Like, I could, unfortunately, drink that for hours. But I just think I'd fall over very quickly. Because Plus, we've got yeah, all these other ones to down. drink. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm going to drink it. Or? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, de- it's definitely going to go down and quite quickly, I'd imagine. Um, um, for anyone who's listening and, and again can't see Cal's done the same thing that I've given them both like two and a half pints <laughs> so when he talks about <laughs> drinking it for hours that's what he means I'm going to be drinking yep. it for hours I'm going to be ruined in the afternoon so, or evening yep. session well what I, I like is not normally because yeah, uh, Steve's our last interviewee for the weekend uh, we're yep. going to just enjoy the evening session freely but like Normally, I'll start on the sort of paler ones and then I'll move to stouts. And largely, brewers seem to have made that decision for me over the course of this weekend. Yesterday, we bought lots of nice pale things, and today it's all 11% stout. <laughs> so it's, it's worked it's out remarkably very, well for us. We I did can it still for you. speak, so yeah, yeah. that's good. Um, Steve, thank you very much for joining us. Um, it's been fantastic to talk to you. At some point, it'd be you know, it'd be real nice to kind of come up to the brewery and have a little look around. Absolutely. Maybe We'd do love to have you. you know a slightly longer interview with you. Yep. Um, you know where we can get a bit more in depth than you know the short time that we have here. Yep. That'd be absolutely fantastic. But thank you very much for coming along. Well, thanks Cheers, for asking Steve. me. Yeah, yeah, it's been good. Cool. Thank you very much, Chris McLennan and Cal Noble, for such a wonderful job.
recording on location. I know, right? Again, like, just sounded like an absolutely fantastic day. Sounded real busy. Um, you know, a lot of fun, a lot of good information there. Oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it was entertaining. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Um, we're going to go back to our regular schedule. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, next week, I believe I will be brewing a Schwarz beer oh, or Black Lager. That sounds yeah. good. I'm yeah. Looking for, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I do like that style. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you know. If you guys uh, like what we're doing, if you like anything we're doing, leave us a review on anywhere that you listen to podcasts. You know, if you listen to iTunes, leave us a review. Um, it is incredibly helpful um, to everything that we do. If you enjoy it, chances are other people will enjoy it. We met a lot of uh, fans down there at Craft Theory. It was absolutely brilliant to catch up with everybody, you know, get a chance to meet some people. Mm. Um, yeah, I wish I could have been there for that. But. Yeah, it was it was very good. But, you know, we've made some contacts. So, you know, if at any point you want to get in touch with us, please get us on Twitter, get us on our email. Uh, it's always at by the mash ton. Uh, the Gmail is by the mash ton at gmail.com. And yeah, just get in touch with us. If you've ever got any questions or anything like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's now just back to our normal schedule, I believe. Oh, yeah. We also had uh, a one page RPG done by our friend Bear Jones. Yes. Uh, if yeah. you are at all interested in role play games, Go check out his website, which is ursadice.com, and you know, have a look at all the wonderful things he's got there. He is also responsible for our theme tune as well. Mm, so yeah. um, you know, I think it's probably better if we just get straight Play to some. that now. Yeah. yeah. So give it a listen. <laughs>